2 Corinthians chapter 11. During a taped interview with Dick Cavett, some of you who are older might remember the Dick Cavett show, 71-year-old health guru Jerome Rodell boasted that he was in the best shape of his life and that he had decided to live to be 100. A few minutes later, while another guest was being interviewed, Jerome Rodell suddenly slumped backwards and died of heart failure. They never did air that particular show. Sometimes there is a vast difference between our boast and our reality. And that's what's happening here in Corinth. We've been looking at these teachers who came in, false teachers who came into Corinth behind Paul and began to teach heresy. They began to preach a different Jesus and they are boasting that they are super apostles. When in reality, Paul says, they are not apostles of Christ at all. He says in chapter 11, they are false apostles, deceitful workers, and they masquerade as servants of Christ, but they are truly, in reality, servants of Satan. And here's the challenge that Paul is facing. These men are really bad, but they look really good. They're slick. They're marketers. They boast that they are better apostles than the ordinary, regular apostles. They know how to package themselves to the crowds. They know how to promote themselves. They know how to boast. But there is a vast chasm between their boast and their reality. They say they are better servants of Christ when in reality they are not servants of Christ at all, but servants of the devil, and their message will lead people to hell. And Paul knows the only way he can win the hearts of the Corinthians back is to outboast these boasters. Paul doesn't want to do it. He hates doing it. But verse 12 tells us why he has to do it. Verse 12, he says this, And what I am doing, that is boasting, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. Paul is reluctantly but truthfully boasting about his apostolic ministry in order to undermine the false boast that these men are also legitimate apostles working in the same term or on the same level that Paul is. And so, Here's where we are this morning. We're beginning in verse 22, and Paul really gears up. We've been hearing about boasting for a couple chapters now, but Paul begins to really gear up his boasting in verse 22. So much so, and it's so painful for Paul, that this section from verse 22 in chapter 11 to verse 10 in chapter 12 has become known as the fool's speech. Let's pause and pray. 
And then we're going to pick up in verse 16 so we get a running start into this fool's speech. Let's pray together. Lord, help our hearts to be good ground this morning for your word. Lord, help us to receive the revelation that we can find and that applies to us in some very powerful ways throughout Scripture, but this morning in this passage. Lord, let us, let us come to you to hear. And Holy Spirit, we pray that through the Word of God, you will speak to our hearts. And Lord, that you will draw our attention to Jesus Christ yet again. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Beginning in verse 16. Chapter 11, verse 16. <clears throat> I repeat, let no one think me foolish. But even if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourself. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Well, Paul, right here, he boasts about his identity. He's got all the right birth credentials. He goes on, Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. This conversation has gone from foolish to insanity. Paul says it's crazy that he has to brag about being a better servant of Christ but than someone else, but he has to do it in order to reveal that they are not servants of Christ at all. Now as he goes on, Paul gives us a rare window into all that he suffered. Do you remember in Acts when uh, Paul was blinded and God spoke to a prophet, Ananias, and said, I am going to send you to Paul and you are going to tell him how much he will suffer for me. That degree of suffering Paul doesn't ever talk about. Acts doesn't cover the half of it. But here, he's forced to. And he shows more about how much he suffered than anywhere else in all of his letters. Verse 23, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, He is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped His hand. No one can match what Paul has suffered for Christ. He worked harder than them, but that's just... He's just warming up. He was imprisoned more often than them. He was beaten so many times he lost count, often near to death. I want, just out of curiosity, raise your hand if you've ever been beaten near to death. Anybody? I mean, if, if I was beaten near to death once, that would be more than enough. Paul says he has beaten been beaten to near death so often, he's lost count. Five times he was whipped 39 times. Three times beaten with rods. I envision that being beaten with something like a baseball bat. Three times he was stoned and left for dead. That only happened to him once. It's probably enough. Then he goes on to describe the intense dangers he endured for the sake of Christ. Shipwrecked three times. Only one of, hey, only one time is mentioned with the shipwreck in, in the book of Acts. And I've got news for you. That was after the, he wrote this. So we can say four times he was shipwrecked. Once he was drifting on the open sea all day and all night. He says there's danger everywhere from rushing rivers that needed to be crossed. Danger from people, Gentiles, and his own people. So he, there was danger from every direction. Danger, there was no location he was safe. He was in danger in the city. He was in danger in the wilderness. He was in danger at sea. Even in the church, there was danger from false brothers who were ready to betray him at a moment's notice. And then, as if all that's not enough, there's the intense hardships that he went through. Hunger, thirst, sleepless nights, cold and exposure. And then he says on top of all that, there is the daily pressure of anxiety as he worried and cared and carried the weight of how are the churches that I have planted, how are they doing? When one of them was weak, he felt weak. When one of them was, was hurting, he felt hurt. When one of them was 
led into sin, he felt indignance, not towards the sinner, but towards the one who led them into sin. Finally, Paul shares this humiliating story of having to be let down from a wall in a basket just to escape with his life. Now, Paul will continue in chapter 12, but we're going to pick up on that next week. Here's what Paul's, Paul is boasting. He's boasting. But Paul has turned boasting on its head. He's not boasting about his strengths. Paul is boasting about his weakness. And he says that in verse 31, if, or verse 30. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Now, what does Paul mean by weakness? I can tell you he's not talking about physical weakness. And he's not talking about mental weakness. There's not a Navy SEAL that could go through what he went through without cracking and continue going. It took incredible strength, mentally and physically, to go through all that and keep going. Paul's talking about a different kind of weakness. He's talking about the weakness of shame. He's talking about the weakness of humiliation. You see, today, if somebody had Paul's resume, if somebody had Paul's testimony, they literally could travel the country giving testimonies in churches. And then I was beaten for the tenth time, and then I was shipwrecked, and people would come from miles around to hear them uh, speak and give testimony. But in that culture, in that day, by their values, these things spoke shame. See, wherever the false apostles went, they were admired and they were honored. Wherever Paul went, he was spurned and hated. The false, the false apostles traveled first class. Paul traveled coach. Their resume said success. Paul's resume seemed to say Failure after failure after failure. This is the weakness of humiliation and shame, and Paul is boasting in it. He's turned the boasting of the false apostles on its head. They were good at boasting in their strength and in their wisdom promoting how great they were. Super apostles. Paul comes along and he says, hey, I can boast too. And then he begins to boast about his weakness and his foolishness. They boast in their exaltation. Paul boasts in his humiliation. They boast in their riches. He boasts in his poverty. Paul's boasting is the mirror image of their boasting. And we might want to ask why. Why does Paul boast in his weakness? And as I was working on this, I thought some, some people might also be wondering right about now, why all this talk about boasting too? I mean, it's in there. You read the word boasting, boasting, boasting. But what has that got to do with me? How, how do I apply? I mean, okay, I probably boast sometimes, but you know, 
how do I apply this to my life? I know we've looked at how bad these false apostles are. We know that Paul is a true apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is all this boasting got to do with me? And I want to submit to you, I think it has a lot to do with all of us. Boasting is deeply attached to our sense of identity. It's deeply attached to our sense of identity. And not all boasting is bad. In the same way that there is bad cholesterol and good cholesterol, there is bad boasting and there is good boasting. <clears throat> there is boasting that hollows out our identity. And there is boasting that fills up our identity. My all-time favorite comic strip is Dilbert. And uh, my favorite character in Dilbert is a guy named Wally. I think we may have a picture of Wally, just so you get a sense of who I'm talking about. Wally is basically only good at two things at the office, drinking coffee and getting out of work. That's, that's pretty much all he's good at doing. And we've probably all met a Wally or two in our lives, right? Walk around drinking coffee and getting out of work. Well, one day during a coffee break, Wally is giving his coworker ASOC important life advice. He says this, ASOC, the key to success is not caring what others think about you. Coincidentally, that is also the key to being totally useless. The important thing is that other people can't tell which way you're hoping it goes. <laughs> now I want to borrow from Wally's great wisdom, and we can take his picture down now. Thank you, Wally. I want to borrow from his wisdom and say this. The key to a useless, meaningless, empty life is boasting. And the key to a meaningful, full, and confident life is boasting. And the important thing is what direction our boasts go in. The Greek word for boast means to glory in. The literal meaning is to hold the head up high. Boasting is deeply connected to our identity and it is meant to enable us to hold our head up high and live with confidence. But there's good boasting and there's bad boasting. When we boast in ourselves, we are trying to inflate our identity, that is who we are, in the eyes of others. And we think if we can inflate our sense, our, our identity in the eyes of others, it will also inflate our own sense of identity. If people think we're important, then we will feel important and we think that will enable us to hold our head up high. Do, do you get, we boast to inflate what people think about us 
thinking if they think bigger things about us, we will be bigger people. Now, well, most of us are more uh, socially aware enough not to boast openly, right? We, we know. I mean, there are some people that boast openly, but most people are self-aware enough not to boast openly. So what do we do? We insert little brags into a conversation. We name drop. We, we just casually mention some great achievement. We humble brag. We humble brag. And that, what that is, is dressing up our bragging in clothes of humility. Because here's the thing. While we want people to be impressed with us, we don't want people to know we want them to be impressed with us because that would look proud. This might be a good moment for me to mention, humbly, that I have received several invitations to have my name included in the book of Who's Who. I'm humbled to say that. That's a humble brag, by the way. But it's true. I have gotten those invitations. The only requirement on my part was to purchase a copy of the book, which naturally, if I'm in the book, I'd want a copy of the book. So I'm right there. Humbled, honored, I decided to look into it. And here's what I found. I found out that the real Who's Who book doesn't charge you to be in it. Because if they want you in it, you're a real Who's Who. It turns out this was an imitation Who's Who book for people who are dumb enough to pay for a book that have the names of other people who are dumb enough to pay for the book. So boasting in ourselves is kind of like me selling you my who's who book and you selling me your who's who book. And it might make us feel important, but it means nothing. It's empty. And that's exactly what the false apostles are doing. In chapter 10, Paul says, they are commending themselves and measuring and comparing themselves by each other. They're promoting, I am great. And I am greater than Bill. I am greater than Susan. And so they are commending themselves and comparing themselves. And it's just this circular round and round of self-commendation and self-boasting. I'm a who's who. And in the end, it means nothing. Paul writes in chapter 10 in reference to them, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. The reality of who we are. Talking identity. And, that, and that's what boasting is supposedly attached to. Boasting is an attempt to puff up who we are in the eyes of other people. But the reality of who we are is not determined by what we say. It is determined by what God says. 
Think about that. Your identity is not determined by what you say your identity is. Who you are is not determined by what you say or who you say you are. You, we can say, I'm great. I'm smarter than others, faster than others, whatever better than others. And we can say, I'm gonna, I've decided I'm going to live to be 100 years old. That does not have any bearing on how long we're actually going to live or how great we really are. God is the one who determines who we are. Our identity. So Paul says, by all means, boast. But boast in the Lord. And so I said earlier, Paul hates boasting, but that's not completely true. Paul hated boasting about himself, but he loved and he often boasted in the Lord. I'm going to read a couple. Romans chapter 5, verse 2, he says, we boast, same word, in the glory of God. A few verses later, not only this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Boasting in ourselves is the bad boast. Boasting in the Lord is the good boast. Boasting in the Lord is healthy because it's what we were created to do. Boasting in the Lord is what adds meaning and strength and confidence to our lives because when we boast in the Lord, we're attaching our identity to His greatness and His glory and His power and His faithfulness and His love and His mercy and His grace and all that He is. And that gives us confidence to hold our head up high. Humility is not walking around with our head down saying, oh, I'm, I'm a horrible person. Humility is is knowing who we are and attaching it to the greatness and the glory of God and boasting in Him. And so if you read 1 Corinthians 1, and we don't have time to turn there, but Paul gives a kind of who's who from God's perspective in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and it's not a compliment to us. Paul says that God has chosen the foolish things and the weak things of the world to confound the wise and the strong. Those who are wise and strong and who's who by the world's standards are actually foolish and weak and nothing by God's standards. And those who are foolish and weak and unimpressive by the world's standards are the very ones God has chosen to put in His who's who book of life. Here's where this intersects. The false apostles are preaching a false gospel that looks so good. It's cool, it's hip, it's relevant. It doesn't have this foolish thing about the cross. No, Jesus started your salvation, but guess what, guys? You finish it. Go team, let's go! Yet Jesus, great helper, and now we, by our own righteousness, keeping the law, we can, and people love it, and it's like, yeah, that sounds wise, that sounds good, that sounds great. Paul says the message of the cross is foolishness to the world because what it says is, I can't do it. I cannot save myself. I have no power. I have no ability to save myself. And so Jesus became weak. And He emptied Himself. 
And He gave His life on the cross to pay it all for me. And on the cross, not only was Jesus crucified, but all our pride, all our self-reliance, all our I can get there on my own, I have decided to live for eternity, is crucified too. And that message is foolishness to the world. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God salvation it is the power of God and God did it all this way so that the glory goes to him not to us no one no one will boast before the Lord but we will all boast in the Lord boasting if we're honest there is an impulse in all of us to boast am I right there, there is. And if you come up to me afterwards and say, I never boast, I'm going to tell you, you just did. Now that boasting could look different ways. Maybe we humble brag. I'm so humbled to be one of the most important people in America. I mean, that's, people say things like that. No, you're not so humble. You're proud. Come on. Maybe we humble brag. Maybe we just talk about ourselves a lot. Maybe we name drop. Maybe we think about our image all the time. Like we're not talking about it, but deep in our minds, in our hearts, we're always thinking about how did I come off? How do I look? How, how is, you know, what are people thinking of me? What's my image? Maybe we always want to be the center of attention. See, put yourself, what, what's yours? Maybe you're not one to, you know, talk about yourself, but you always want to be the center of the attention. Maybe we do good things but with strings attached. We want the credit and we want the praise. There's so many ways that we can boast. This morning, let's recognize these as attempts to find our identity in self-inflation and recognize this will actually hollow out our true identity and leave us feeling empty. It will never fill us. We pay for our copy of Who's Who. And then we realize it means nothing. Let's ask God this morning to help us attach our identity to God. Attach our identity. Who you are. Attach it. Its value, its worth, its meaning, its purpose. Everything that you are, attach it to Christ to what God has done, and to what God is doing. Giving Him the credit and the praise for anything good in our lives. Giving God the glory. That's the good boast. And that's what we were created to do. God created us as reflectors of His glory, not projectors of our own glory. God's goodness reflected off of us. God's grace reflected off of us. God's mercy reflecting. God's compassion. God's righteousness. God's love reflecting off of us. And God's power reflecting off of us. And that His glory 
reflecting off of us becomes our glory. We glory in the Lord. We boast in the Lord. And none of this shrinks our lives. None of this squelches who we are. It enlarges us. Boasting in the Lord doesn't make us less confident. It, it lifts up our head in confidence. Because we know that God loves us. God has chosen us. God has saved us. We know that no matter what we face in life, we are more than conquerors because God is able. I can do, Paul writes, all things. Now before you think that's a boast in himself, he says, through Christ who strengthens me. Glory. We lose ourselves in Christ only to find ourselves the way God created us to be. As I share, I want to ask uh, Chip and Becky to come back up. We're going to close with a song, but listen, I, I want you to picture that day that Ben read about where we're all standing around that throne, worshiping. And let me tell you what's, what's going to be going on that day, at least from Scripture. There are going to be countless multitudes giving praise to God, and we are going to join our voices with all their voices giving praise to God. And no one, no one in that crowd is going to be praising you. No one is going to be praising me. And we wouldn't want them to. I, I don't want the guy next to me to say, praise you, Alan. We are going to rejoice that we are forgotten in the praises of Almighty God. We will be lost in praise to God. We will be glorying in God. We will be boasting in the Lord. And that's the good boast. And that's life the way God created us to live it.